mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Everybody agree with that said? Y'all all right this morning? Amen, amen. Is he exalted in your life? Hallelujah. Bless his name. I'm excited to be in jail. How many of you excited that Christ saved you? How many of you excited that it was nothing that you did to save yourself? You didn't get mixed up in it at all. He, he decided he was going to work in your life. Lord, have mercy. That should make somebody happy. That should make somebody lift their hands. That should make somebody dance. That should make somebody shout. That should make somebody exalt. Lord, have mercy. It's great to be in Jesus. <laughs> it's only one way to be a human, and that's to be a redeemed one. Changed and transformed. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, we're, we're back in Ephesians. Who am I? The identity of the Christian. Ephesians 4. We're going to deal with three verses. Verses 22 through 24. Um, um, 22 through 24. Um, Y'all know where we're at. Let's get it. All right. Verse 22. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed, say renewed, in the spirit of your minds and to put, off, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness or true holiness here where we're still trekking through Ephesians and we're in that section of Ephesians where Paul is talking about uh, some glorious things in particular as it relates to the anatomy of what God has done in us and what he's called us with him to participate in. Um, um, I like this passage a, a, a lot because it, 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 it points us back to uh, what it means and, and as at its core, what it means to have your identity transformed. Um, everybody in this world, many people are looking for significance. People in this um, 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 life, it, they, they, they want to leave something behind to make sure that people recognize how significant they are. Um, 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 and, and, and one of the things about a Christian, we are not trying to be significant. We're not trying to make our name known. We're not trying to show ourselves off. Well, what are we trying to do then, Pastor? What we are trying to do is submit to the one who is significant. Now, what's beautiful about submitting to the one who is significant is the reality is because he is significant and he is imputed to us himself, we are positionally significant. But there's nothing that we do to make ourselves significant or bring ourselves uh, any attention to our significantness. Let's uh, nest, Sister Harriet. I love you, Sister Harriet. Don't get me. I, I, I know I make up words every Sunday. All of y'all be quiet. Don't nobody tweet it. We, we, but, but the beauty of this significance is not rooted in man. It's rooted in God. So here in this section, Peter, he talks about the restoration of our identity. The restoration of our identity. This identity that was lost through the fall of Adam now being restored through the second Adam. We continue on our point from last week of the dawn of a new era. 
the section we're in, the dawn of a new era. era. He says in this verse, he said to put off the old self. Stop there. Let's talk about this for a minute. To put off the old self. This is interesting here. You know, we don't like to throw around languages, but it's very, very important you understand what's going on here. The, 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 to put off here is in what's called the heiress middle. Let me see if I can make it clear. Heiress in the Greek is a snapshot of something. In other words, it's a snapshot or a picture of something that points to the whole of an activity that was going on that the picture was of. In other words, when you go on somebody's Facebook page, right, and you go in and they talk about old school pics. Everybody got an old school pic, right? And um, we don't know where we were at that period of time. Amen. But when you look at that picture or people that were with you that experienced you in that picture, guess what happens? You say, them were the days. Why? Because that picture is a representation of the whole of the state that you were in when that picture was taken. That's the sense of what's happening here. To put on the new self, the heiress here talks about what God did at conversion. God actively, in that snapshot of putting off the old self, it was done actually at salvation. It's not necessarily, I'm going to talk about this in a second, something practically that we do on our own. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God positionally took your old self and killed that joker. That, that's your old head. You know what I'm saying? That's your old head. That's your old self. Uh, um, um, so this is divine action done by God at salvation. This is called definitive sanctification or positional sanctification. Can you say positional sanctification? Most of the word, the, most of the time the word hagiosmos is used in the New Testament is used, sanctification or holiness is talked about, that act of God here by which God, uh, um, God sets us aside as a versal, vessel of mercy. See, see, a vessel of mercy is someone that God has choose to pull aside for a distinct role to reflect his glory. That means that he decided he was going to pour his mercy out on you without your help. Sanctification is commonly regarded as a process of moral and spiritual transformation following conversion. But that's not what we're talking about necessarily here or most of the New Testament. In the New Testament, however, it, is, it primarily refers to God's way, listen, of taking possession of us in Christ, setting us apart to belong to him, to fulfill his purpose for us. Let me say that one more time. It primarily refers to, that is sanctification, God's way of taking possession of us. That means you don't belong to yourself anymore. You don't follow your heart anymore. Because, see, most of us, when we, somebody's looking for direction in life, guess what we say? Follow your heart. I dare you. That joker, raggedy in the mug. Listen, the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? So you don't follow your heart. You put off your heart. So here it says, we're talking about this idea of sanctification in which God assigns to you and imputes to you the fullness of the fact that you look like Jesus immediately. However, you don't practically look like Jesus. See, positionally, you're, 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 you're gorgeous. You're gorgeous positionally, but practically you ugly. See, all of us were spiritually ugly before Jesus. You, was, you were ugly. I mean, I mean, bad looking. 
I mean, everybody, I mean, bad. I mean, there's nothing pretty about you. There, there was nothing about you that made God want you. See, many of us think that our cuteness was the reason why God saved us. Our fineness and our coolness, but that had nothing. We were all assigned ugliness at birth. As cute as you were at a baby, your soul was ugly. And so God decided to give you a makeover. We're going to talk about that in a second. To make you positionally beautiful to him. But then it's in the middle. See, Eris middle, snapshot, God's act of salvation. Middle, pointing to the fact that God calls us, God calls us beautifully. It emphasizes we receiving the benefit of the actions of God at salvation to participate with God in practical sanctification. That means that, means that the, the, in other words, you don't, you don't sanctify yourself. God sanctifies you. So you don't work for victory. You work from victory. You don't work for your salvation. You work from your salvation. And so here in this passage, um, it points, even if we look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, it points to the fact that it says that every work of faith with power, the idea of that means faith-based works, works that flow from faith, not, 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 not works that produce faith, okay? And so, and so here it's beautiful in this new era, era. Now, what is this modifying here? Because he says up in verse, the verse right before this, in verse 21, he says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And what, what does that mean? What does that point to now? It says to put off the old self. In other words, you were the believers. Remember last time we talked about the fact that when people trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, when people trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, one of the things that the apostles would do was help them to learn Jesus rightly. That's why you see it says after they had preached the gospel to that city, Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 23. It says after they preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples and began to strengthen the souls of the saints. And so what happened is that people were taught a certain way in Christ. So when they trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, they were taught that the old self was crucified and put off. That's why you see in Acts 19, it says that when they trusted in the gospel, it says that they began divulging their practices. In other words, because of what God had done for them, they no longer needed the old nature anymore. Let me see if I can make it plain. See, the inside of you has been redeemed, but the outside of you hasn't. This cat right here, Skin, flesh, and fleshly mindset, world, and fleshliness has not been redeemed yet. So we're going to talk about it in a minute, but there is a toss and a struggle between these two cats. In other words, your flesh is always trying to holler at you. They're always trying to holler at you. Come on, psst. What's up there? You know what I'm saying? How you doing? You getting all brand new on me now, huh? New nature and stuff. What's a new nature? If you got a new nature, how I'm up in this joint? Know what I'm saying? Why don't you let me have your number? Let me call you sometime. Yeah, let me holler at you. Let me, okay, okay. I mean, I ain't got to give you my number. You can give me your number. You know what I'm saying? Just, just write it right here on my hand. Write it right here on my hand. Write it right here on my hand. In other words, your old nature in your flesh is always trying to holler at you. Always trying to bring you in. And if you're in here, but that don't never, you're a liar. You're lying, because the Bible says if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar, and guess what else? 
the truth ain't in you. So therefore, your flesh is always trying to holler at you, but he calls us to put on um, the new nature. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's interesting what Paul talks about in our participation with, with God's work that he did at salvation to set us aside by us putting off the old nature. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 through 27 says, I, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So what is Paul saying? Paul says, I fight. In other words, there is a strength that God has given every Christian to be able to fight without us getting credit for it. See, 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 your fighting is empowered by the gospel. Let me see if I can make, show you a verse for it. Of Colossians chapter 1 verse 29 says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So listen, the ability to fight, the ability to work hard comes because Christ worked for you. And because Christ has already worked for you, you work from his work. I wish I, un I wish I had some help. In other words, you don't, listen, you don't do anything to help yourself. I, I, let me see if I can make a plan. When I used to, I, I mean, I used to have this thing called Goober Grape back in the day. Y'all know nothing about that. Where is, where is, where it, I like peanut butter and jelly back. I'm talking about peanut butter and jelly with the, with the honey wheat bread, right? So I didn't like that white bread. It was too oily. Honey wheat bread. <laughs> butter top wheat where they split the top and put the butter on it, right? And what I would do is the goober grape already, it says grape jelly, then peanut butter. Grape jelly, peanut butter, grape jelly, peanut butter, all the way through it. So you can just buy one thing and you can, because I used to slip stuff in my mama's shopping cart. Y'all don't know about that. Different cereals and chips and stuff. So, so I get that one thing, right? I, I get that one thing. And, 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 what, and what I would do is I, I, would, I, would put, I would put that, I would try to open the bottle. And I would do all of these things to open the bottle. And then, and then I would tell, my, I tell daddy, I say, daddy, come here. I can't open the bottle. My daddy, come here, boy, come here. He run the hot water on, turn the hot water on, run it over the top of it. Then he pat it on the bottom. He said, put your hand on it. I put my hand on it. Then what he does is he put his hand over mine and turn it with me. Now, what happens is it goes and opens right up. And you know why? But I didn't open it. I actively put my hand there, but my daddy put his hand over mine. And it really wasn't me that was opening it up. It was my daddy on top of me, watch me now, opening it for me. Listen, God is working on top of you, but not only on top of you, he's working in you. So that when you work, it is not you actually working, it's you submitting to God's work on you. You don't, you don't sanctify yourself. God sanctifies you. It is a power of his. And so here in this text, Paul is driving away at the beautiful work of the gospel to work in the life of the believer through the renovating work of his spirit, which we'll see um, in a minute. Now, what's interesting about that is he talks about identity before he talks about behavior. It's interesting. It's interesting. He's going to say right next, it's going to say, which belongs to your, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. The word manner there means behavior. Now, notice he deals with identity before he deals with behavior. Because if you deal with people's behavior before you deal with their identity, 
you know what you're doing? Classical conditioning. In other words, you're trying to change their activity without changing the root of what caused the activity. Uh, and, and so, so, so God doesn't, God doesn't work on symptoms. He's systemic. Okay. My, 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 now, now y'all know black people like to whoop the toast out of their children. That we do. I got beatings, barber belts, extension cords, threaded switches. <clears throat> I mean, today, I, you know, kids calling their parents today. We ain't call our parents. You called a CPS back then or something. They'll say, all right, call them. And they'll open the door and sit down, smoke a cigarette, and wait for them to come in the house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I dare CPS to come up in here. And then when they get here, I will beat you in front of them. You know what I'm saying? That's what it was. But what was interesting, what was interesting, as helpful as those beatings were and as painful as they were, they, 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 when I, whenever I was going to do something behaviorally, I responded to not wanting to get a whooping. Because my, but, but, but the issue is I still wanted to execute secretly what I wanted to do as long as I didn't get a whooping because I was more concerned about the whooping than I was what the whooping was supposed to produce. And that's what God, God doesn't, God is not concerned about behavioral modification of our outside. He's about soul transformation. So that's why you see him saying putting off the old self, which belongs to your former manner behavior, because if he changes this, this will change. That's why we don't do pre-sanctification discipleship. In other words, many of us as Christians are so legalistic that we want non-believers to change before they become Christians. <laughs> stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop. They're not powerful enough to do that because they don't have the power of God in them. And so for us to try to make somebody do, well, put your pants up. Put, put your hat off. Take your hat off. Put up your hand. Stop showing cleavage. That ain't working. Why? Because you're trying to change behavior without trying to see the work of the gospel actually change them. Because true change happens from the inside out. And it says that, it says it's, it's corrupt by deceitful desires. Pointing to the fact that all of us walk in the deceit of following our heart. Following our own affections. Following our own passions. But what we know that God did through Christ is he redeemed our affections to now not allow the deception of our old nature to influence how we walk in Christ. Then he says, this is interesting right here. <clears throat> very, very interesting. He says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This is great. To be renewed here is a present passive. I'm not doing this to show off. It's, it's important that we understand this. It's in the present passive. The present suggests that the renewal of our mind or our spirit is a repeated activity in our lives as believers. In other words, you never stop getting renewed. You, every Christian should be on a trajectory of spiritual maturity. Everyone, there is no such thing as a Christian in a holding pattern. Every Christian is called by God to take off. Now, when I talk about taking off, I ain't talking about you being fly. My season is coming and I got a new. I ain't talking about that. You know what I'm saying? My, my new place, it ain't about you. But we're talking about being on a trajectory of growth. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it beautifully. It says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being process, transformed process into the same image from one degree of glory to another. 
So God has in mind what he wants us to look like, and he's taken us. Now, that level of glory ain't glorification of self. In the context, it's glorification of God. In other words, as we grow spiritually, we, 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 we increase in capacity in our ability to show Jesus Christ off. That's, that's the purpose of it. That's, that's, that's the purpose of this whole thing. So, so what's being renewed here, it says the spirit of your mind. The focus is on the spirit, not the mind. Now, the spirit is what God actually changes within you. We, remember, we, we quote this all the time, Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. I will give you a new heart. Uh, take the heart of stone out. Put the heart of flesh in. Take the old spirit out of you. And guess what he does? Put a new spirit in you. So but what happens is, is like we talked about, definitive sanctification points to the fact that when you're saved, you're, you're, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. Let me say that one more time. When you trust Jesus, you are as saved as you're ever going to be. You don't, like, you don't spiritually die anymore and then get resaved all over again. However, functionally in your growth, God increases your capacity to submit to the reality that happened when he saved you. You checking with me? And so, and so, and so this present means that it's a repeated process. The passive means you don't grow yourself. <laughs> It's a repeated process. Remember, back when it says put off, that points to the fact that it happened at salvation, but it's a middle means you participate in salvation, but even in, I mean, in sanctification, but you don't sanctify yourself. Why? Because you are renewed in the spirit of your mind, which means God is the one based on him powering you for the works to be able to grow spiritually. So no matter how many works you do, God is the one who adds the growth. God is the only one that adds the growth and development in the lives of his people. So the spirit of mind means the core of who you are. The core of who you are is growing and developing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is very, very important for us to embrace and understand when it, when, when it deals with the renovation of our identity. So that means God isn't refurbishing us. God isn't like rehabbing us. He, he's restoring us. So next he says, right here he says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. Now this is, this is very, 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 very interesting. Because he said put off the old self, which happened at salvation, but also he says put on the new self, which happened in salvation, when we trusted Christ initially, Right? And so, and so this also is in the aorist middle, of course, pointing to the fact that it was an act of God by which he did in a snapshot when we got saved. And so what's beautiful about that is the same way your old self was destroyed at salvation because you was crucified with Christ is now the same way that God graced us to be made new. And so in light of that reality, the new person or this new person, based on the context of, of, of Ephesians, is not just the individual Christian, but the whole church. But it also includes the individual Christian. And so, so the idea of putting, uh, putting off and putting on is like taking off old clothes and putting on new clothes. Now, let me, let me see if I can make it. Now if, if this was, now, if I had on a fat tie and I had on a big collar that came down to this joint right here, looking like a butterfly wing. And, and it was Paisley shirt with a striped tie. I had on a hat with a feather going up about uh, 
two feet. If I had on some real, real tight pants that was tight right here, then opened up at the bottom. Then I had on some shoes with some, the stack and a, and a fish in the, in the bottom of the stack. And I walked in here and said, oh, how y'all doing today? And I, you know what I'm saying? Y'all would look at me like, y'all be like, Pastor, can we shepherd you right now? Can we shepherd you right there? And what you will begin to do is you will help me to put off a time period. Because obviously I got stuck in a time period. And so in light of being stuck in that time period, you would have me take off that outfit and you would help me to get a new outfit that reflects the time that I'm in now. When God calls you to put off the old self and put on the new self, God is giving you a makeover. He's telling you, I don't want you to live in your former time because that's out of style. That's out of style. And you look weird in my kingdom. And he says, so in light of that, what I want you to do is I want you to embrace putting on the new self and wearing what's in this new season. It's very, 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 very important what God has called us to do. And what, is, what does this show us? It's powerful about God. God never calls you to give up anything that he will not replace with something better. Never. It, it, you got to hold to that reality. Because everything in Matthew 4 that the devil offered Jesus, God had already offered it to him on a higher level. Now, he could have taken a temporal, a temporal facsimile or replica, but it really wasn't the realness of what God would bring through him. Everything that Jesus was like, I mean, the devil was trying to get him at his weak point so that he would be able to help him so that he could uh, develop in a substandard version of what God wants to give on a higher level. When God tells Gideon, remove the Asherah and remove the altar of Baal, he says, in the same place where you used to worship, Judges 6, I want you to build an altar to me. I don't want you to stop worshiping, but what I want you to do is I want to stop you from worshiping what you are worshiping so that you can rightfully direct your values, rightfully direct your affections, and rightfully direct your will towards that which is a means of grace which will help you to remain focused on me. What is God calling you to put off today? What, what are you holding on to in your life right now that you feel like it's going to hurt to give up, but you know it's not the will of God? That God is calling you. Now, he's already empowered you to give it up. He's already empowered. So you're not, you're not, you, listen, Christ on the cross already secured your ability to give it up. The question is, are you going to use that power to walk in it? And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there is nothing that you will give up that God can't overmatch. Because positionally, you've already given it up. You just haven't realized it yet. You haven't realized it yet. You haven't realized it yet. So, so why? Listen, listen. I like Jeremiah uh, 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 chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. He says, you have hewn for yourselves broken cisterns. Cisterns that can hold no water at all, but I am the river of flowing water. In other words, you're looking to catch water in a dirty uh, 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 piece of ground. But what I want to do is I want to be the consistent flow in your life. Listen, you're trying to catch what I'm going to give you. And, I, and, and the, the idea of flowing water means it never ends. That means when you walk in satisfaction in God, 
it never ends. Satisfaction only increases. Some of us are looking for the passing pleasures of this world, but the passing pleasures of this world keep you addicted. God's pleasure keeps you developed. But that's why our lives need to be recentered, because our heart is an idol factory. We don't naturally like the Lord. We don't. That's why you got to learn Christ. <laughs> you got to learn Christ. And that calls for discipleship. And so he put, and then he goes further. This is beautiful, right? He goes further in this idea of our new era. This is our new era, right? He's going to talk now about the quality, the quality of the new person. He's talking about our function in it. And for the rest of the chapter from verses 25 on, he's going he's gonna to show us practically what it's going to look like to be obedient to walking in the new nature, practically, in very, 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 very key areas of our life. But he does something first before he does that. He has a parenthetical clause here to kind of help us to zoom in on the quality of our creation, recreation. He says here, he says, created after the likeness of God. That's beautiful. Created points back to the fact that in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And God created it through bara es nichalo. In other words, he created it out of nothing. In other words, light, physical light did not exist. However, physical darkness did. Now, God stepped out on nothing. Called into darkness, said, light. Let me holler at you for a second. Life, light elbows darkness and said, excuse me, God said, come into existence. But when God creates new life in you through Christ, he, calls you, he causes the new nature to elbow the old nature. And it's created in the likeness of God. Who is the likeness of God? Colossians chapter 1.15 said Jesus is. Romans 8.29 says he predestined us to be conformed, listen, to the image of Christ. So listen to what we say around here, family. God has one goal in your life and one goal only, that you look like Jesus. Everything in your life is booby trap for Jesus to be shown off. Everything. Everything in your life has God's predestining work in mind in relation to, he already knows what he wants you to look like. God's not like an experiment, a mad scientist, like, I wonder what's next, you know, I wonder what, he already, God already knows what he wants us to look like because he, he don't want us to look like we used to look. We were ugly, like I said earlier. So it's in the likeness of God. We can spend a lot of time there. What's interesting, the first Adam, and he's not recreating us back to Eden. He's not creating us like the first Adam because the first Adam could sin. So he sent the second Adam, 100% God, but also 100% man. And him being 100% man became the prototype human being by which all new human beings would be modeled after. My son and I go to, every June, we go to Wizard World Convention down in downtown Philly. Now, people in there be dressed crazy. You get Darth Vader. I mean, some people just have nothing to do. Like, they're dressing, they, got, they made lightsabers. <laughs> Lots of you know, they made them. I'm like, what do you do with yourself all the time? Um, but, but what's interesting is, is me and my son, we collect action figures. I like vintage figures. And when they're, it, it's my favorite group of guys who sculpt figures, they're called the Four Horsemen, all right? 
and they're the best at doing it. And, and they showed you the process of how they develop these action figures. What they do is the sculptor is the first one who does work. And the sculptor takes a mold, takes a non-mold and, and chiseled it into the image that is going to be what all of the other ones are going to rep be replicated to look like. And so what he, and, and he does all the work on that, and that prototype sets the mold, and then they put a mold over top of it so that when they create the other ones, all of them look just like the original mold that they're supposed to come from, but, they're, but, the, but the first one is the special one. And sometimes they'll put it on eBay and sell it because that's the chisel mold, but no matter how many of these it make, the first one is always worth more than the ones that come after it. See, in Jesus Christ, when we were created in his life, we were created in the mold of Jesus to be the new humanity. Therefore, we made after his likeness. Now, as he says we are created in the likeness of God through Christ, he gives the quality of that right now. Now, listen to the quality of how he does it. He gives two things that point to the quality, really three, but two, two uh, overarching one with two subpoints. He says, in true righteousness and holiness. That's the quality of how we were created. Now, why is that important? God created us in authentic righteousness and authentic holiness. Now, righteousness, righteousness, if we could talk about this for a second, righteousness is God fulfilling his role in his relationship to his nature and the one he creates in and through him in Christ. So what does that mean? When he talks about creating us in both righteousness and holiness, I talk to cats of other religions all the time when I'm sharing the gospel. One of the things that I ask, especially people of other religions that have a God that they believe in besides humanity, I ask them one key question. I said, how do you deal with sin? They say, well, God just forgives it. I said, well, how? He just forgives it. I said, so is anything changed about you? I mean, no, nah, I just work for him, kind of. It's like, okay, well, the God I serve doesn't do that. He does forgive, but he does something before he forgives. Because if he just forgives me without dealing with me, he makes himself unholy. Why? Because he's forgiven me without dealing with my sinfulness, which makes him unholy, because he didn't satisfy himself. Because we weren't saved from hell, we weren't saved from Satan, we weren't saved from ourselves or the world. The Bible says in Romans 5, 9, that we were saved from the wrath of God. What is the wrath of God? The wrath of God is God's holiness having a beef with humanity. And so what happens now is God has a beef and he's hovering, ready to knock cats out, knock them clean out forever. Like he, he, he pacing. God is in eternity pacing like this. Watch, right? And somebody said, well, God ended up there. Well, God is holy. If he not pacing, he's not holy. But what happens is, as Jesus says, whoa, pops, whoa, pops, let's, let's agree on this. I, I'm going, how about, how about I become human, live the life they can never live, die the, and then on the cross, this is what you do. You're holy. So what I want you to do is I want you to pour out your wrath on me. Pour it all out on me, every last bit. And everyone that trusts in me, they, they, they don't experience your wrath. They get imputed with your holiness. And, 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 and with me getting, and, so, and so, but, but God, uh, let's create a place called hell. You know, we're going to write that later. Matthew's going to write it by the Spirit. And, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to create hell for the devil and his angels. But whoever doesn't trust me, Whoever, whoever enters an eternal state without me goes there. And then they get to experience your wrath. God said, give me a pound, son. Pow, pow. Right? And so they do that. 
Now, what's beautiful about what God does is God made us holy and righteous without violating his holiness and his righteousness because it's true righteousness, not self-human righteousness. Because if God saved us without Jesus, then guess what we would be walking in? Self-righteousness because we wouldn't have any. So, so, so the glory of this idea of true righteousness even zooms even more, more clearly into the act of God zooming into Christ, imputing us with this righteousness and making us a new creation. This holiness is the chief attribute of God and the quality to be developed in his people. And you know what I like about this? This talks about the quality of the new creation that points to the quality of the characteristics of the creator. Kind of reminds me as I close, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a burger dude. I'm a meat. I like meat. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I can't just eat salad for lunch. If it's got salad, I got to have meat, amen, on top of the salad. Now, it can be grilled. It don't have to be fried and battered, but it got to be some meat in the vicinity. can't be some craisins and some candied walnuts. It got to be some meat on top of it. Now, with me being a meat guy, meat guy, I, I always, if, I'm a, if I go to a, bur, a, a real, real burger spot, there's something I'm looking for. Does the meat have any fillers? Because if the meat has fillers, I don't really count that as a real burger. It's inauthentic. But one time me and my wife went to this place, and, and, and they had a Kobe hamburger, Kobe beef. Now, see, y'all looking at me funny. See, Kobe beef is high-quality beef. It's not ground chuck. You know what I'm saying? Or ground shoulder. It's quality beef. They, they made it into a hamburger. And then I get that thing medium well. But you know what? What's beautiful about it is when you take, if you take, now I ain't dogging about If you take the Big Mac and set it up against the Kobe beef burger, and you look at this one, special sauce, nice, Kobe beef burger, lettuce, onions on a sexy seed bun, Kobe beef. Once you eat the Kobe beef burger, you're going to struggle with the Big Mac. Because the quality of meat, then they, then, they put, uh, then they put bacon, applewood bacon. Woo, I felt a quickening in my spirit. Then they had blue cheese on it. Woo, don't y'all feel it? This joint had American processed cheese on it. In other words, there was a quality to this one. But this one was, it's all right. But it was, feels kind of thrown together. God put quality into how he created us. But it wasn't to, to show, make us of any exceedingly value of ourselves. It's to show off the value of the one who recreates. And so if you're in here struggling emotionally all the time, and you're zoomed in on your depravity, how messed up you are, you're struggling with depression, I want you to begin to meditate on the God who made you in quality. Not to focus on you, but the one who created you. And he took his time showing you pictures throughout Tanakh, Old Testament, of pictures of what he was going to ultimately do in Christ to ultimately point to him. God has done this thing in quality. And so maybe you're here today, and, 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 and you have not been transformed by the renewing power of the gospel. Then, we, then repent of your sin right now. That means change your mind about what you Think about God and 
salvation, transformation, and turn towards him and have faith in him. By grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. And Christ's finished work on the cross, God will have had taken out his wrath that is yours for eternity to experience. Took it out on Jesus in six hours. And that six hours was enough to count for your eternity. Father, we thank you. We bless you. And we honor you for the fact that you have restored us. We are restored and we are being restored. We're being restored. And so, God, we honor you for your, just how you do everything. You, you're not raggedy in how you save. You're righteous in how you save. And so, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you will help us to respond rightly to the identity that you have developed us in. Lord God, we love you. We appreciate you for all of the quality of work that you put in to save us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.